Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hi there. Today, we are talking about why high-achieving women struggle to connect in their marriages. And I know it's something that so many women go through, and it's a trigger to drink. My guest today is Veronica Cisneros. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist, a marriage course creator, retreat host, mother of three, married for 23 years, and host of the Empowered and Unapologetic podcast. She's the owner of a group private practice called Outside the Norm Counseling. As I mentioned, a lot of high-achieving women struggle in their marriages. They struggle with setting aside intentional time to connect and communicate. They yearn for meaningful conversations that don't lead to arguments. Mm -hmm. One month away from divorce, Veronica realized she had to do something different. For years, she had compromised herself to meet the needs of her husband and her child. Mm -hmm. She lost herself and was about to lose her marriage. So after years of personal growth and self-reflection, Veronica has not only reclaimed her identity and celebrated 23 years of marriage, but also helped hundreds of women transform their marriage from feeling like roommates to experiencing a deeper connection. So welcome, Veronica. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. Um, Just for everyone listening, Veronica and I met at Podcast Movement, a conference in Denver. You were presenting on a panel. I was on a panel as well. And we got to know each other. And when I heard about the work you do, it seemed like a topic that a lot of women in my audience would resonate with. Definitely. Definitely. Same. I felt when you and I were having a conversation, it was like, holy moly, we can totally collaborate and serve, you know, um, serve our audiences and providing, you know, them with tools and resources that they need. Yeah. Well, so let's just dive in. Why do so many high achieving women struggle to connect? Well, you know, I did this podcast series on high achieving women. And one thing that kept on coming up is how lonely we are. Mm-hmm. How lonely we are. Not a lot of people get us. You know, our husbands don't necessarily get us. Our friends 
don't get us. And one thing that I kept on hearing over and over while I was interviewing these like badass women, you know, it's one thing that they kept on saying to me was, Veronica, I have to, it's almost as if I have to dim my light. I have to minimize my level of success to protect my husband's emotions. And a lot of women do that. A lot of us do that because we're, we, we're so laser focused on our goals, our dreams, on achieving, you know, this, this success on, on doing all of the, doing the impossible. But while we're doing the impossible, there's so many people that don't understand it. And so that's why we fall short of support. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really interesting that you said they're lonely because that's definitely something that I hear as well. You know, you're so busy. You're busy at work. A lot of times if you are in charge, you're the general manager or the VP or the head of the division, you can't make as many close friendships with people in the office. You're so busy. You don't spend as much time with your friends as Mm -hmm. you used to. And then you come home and there's this weird layer of guilt with your husband and your kids where you, you also feel like you somehow need to constantly make it up to them for being busy, for being away, for doing your job. And it, you put those three things together. It's you're doing so well and yet you feel alone. But in terms of marriage and struggling to connect in their marriage, I've seen in the women I coach two things. One, their husband might be very high achieving as well, which means they just aren't around each other a lot, right? There's just no, either they're traveling for business. They both are constantly on email. They're both constantly on their phones. And when they're home, they, they want to, they feel guilty, right? They want to spend time with their kids. It's just very ships in the night. The other thing I see is these really high achieving women where is more what you mentioned, where they're trying to protect their spouse's ego, um, which also leads to some resentment where yeah. they're doing all these things and all they, a lot of what they get home is sort of passive aggressive guilt of, Things like that. I don't know. What do you see most of? So let's go ahead and touch on the first couple. The first couple were both are high achievers. You know, they have, um, they have a whole lot on their plate. So when you have these two high achievers, you know, um, they are so consumed with the task that needs to get done. They tend to forget the value of the marriage. And one of the main reasons why we'll do that is because when we're having conversations with our partner, we might struggle to really, really get out what we really want to communicate. So we might feel like we can't have these sensitive conversations. And one of the primary reasons why we feel like we can't have these sensitive conversations is because if I do, if I open this up, it'll lead to conflict. And then Mm -hmm. we won't talk for a day or two or you know, then we're going to be criticized or then we're going to, you know, somebody's going to be stonewalled or somebody's going to be defensive. And so I just, I'd rather just keep things the way they are and we'll just go about our day and 
ignore the fact that I'm feeling this way. Yeah. Right. So you have this term that comes up often. Um, it feels like we're more like roommates or business partners, right? How many times have you heard that? Feels oh my like God. My husband says that to me sometimes and guilty yes. in bed early. He's like, okay, I guess I'll see you on Friday and it's Tuesday. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. I just want to <laughs> like, don't guilt me. <laughs> it's for wanting yeah. to go to bed, you know? Anyway, and I'm like, uh, well, pretty sure we're going to see each other Wednesday night, Thursday. <laughs> So, so with that right there, you know, what do we usually do? We'll go to sleep, you know, okay. That was a, you know, that was a punch to the stomach, right? It feels like a punch to the stomach and then we'll go to sleep, you know, oh, it's not, I'm going to see him tomorrow. He's over exaggerating or here we go. He's catastrophizing again. In that moment, your partner, your husband is communicating something to you. I know. I know. It's like, listen, you're not the only one. Yes. I can't fucking deal with you right now. Yes. So what he's, what Gottman would call it. And so Gottman, um, John and Julia Gottman, um, they created this theoretical approach for therapists to use to help couples, um, in their marriage. It's, it's a form of therapy. So what Gottman would say is in that moment, your husband initiated a bid, a bid yep. for connection. And that bid was shut down. I know. Shut down. And I so. Love- I love the Gottmans. Love right? them. I am so a therapist on oh. talk about addiction. It was like it's basically couples and addiction. I'll link to it, but keep going with yeah, the bid. So yeah, so your husband made that bid for connection, and instead of turning toward that bid with, you know, hey, tell me more. So you say you're not going to see me till Friday. Is is that what it feels like? And that's so hard to do because we are, this insecurity was exposed and we know that there's a part of what he's saying is right. But to get into that conversation is probably going to be two hours long. It's going to probably end in a fight, you know, and here we go. And it felt very passive aggressive. It, yes. Why, why couldn't it be, hey, would you like to go on a date with me on Friday? I'd love yes. to spend Or the roommate comment feels like, we need to have sex. Like yeah. that's what it, and I was like, oh for fuck's sake, my alarm goes off at five fifteen. <laughs> yeah. 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 The last yeah, the last thing I want to do is I've been entertaining everybody all day, and now you're passively aggressively request or you know, being passive aggressive and requesting me to entertain you. And like, with that comment, that's the last thing. Bingo. So Sorry, those, this is no, not about my marriage. No, no but I love it. It, it. it definitely applies. It applies to all of us. So, and, and this is something our listeners, you know, both of our listeners need to hear because it's true. It, it's, it is, we got to normalize this. Why do we got to normalize this? Because the people that are experiencing this feel as if they're on the ship by themselves, yes. right? And so, yeah, you know, in that moment, let's let's just go there for a minute. In that moment, if you were to ask him, Tell me more. Like, what are you dreading? So the minute, let's say, I'm, let's say you ask him, tell me more. So pretend I'm you and I'm saying, tell me more. What do you think he's going to say? What am I dreading him saying? Yes. Yes. Let's go there. Let's have sex. That's what, and I'm like, then I'm going to have to reject him. Then I'll get all sensitive. Like, it's easier to just pretend I didn't hear that comment and go to yes. bed, which is really what I want to do. Okay, so I just want to go to bed and I don't want to have a fucking conversation about why I want to go to bed. And I don't want to hear 
about how you feel neglected because I could give two shits. The reality is I'm doing a lot of work. You see that I'm doing all of this work. Man the fuck up. Like, man it up. Like, wrap it up. Let's go. We'll have sex on Friday if you're lucky. If you ask me on a date, yeah. But here's what happens. We weaponize sex. We do. <laughs> we weaponize sex. Is that any, is that the intention? Absolutely not. Is that how it comes across? A thousand percent. And so that failed bid starts to accrue points over time. <laughs> and so now we have our husbands who, well, she's not going to, she's not going to pay attention to my bid, you know, and she wants me to have this conversation about, you know, whatever it is. But yet when I asked for something, she's not in line with it. So why should I? And then it becomes this game of resentment. Yeah. We're keeping score, right? And we, we, we all do it. We're keeping score. You know, we're paying attention to all the things we do for the relationship and for the household. And then they pay attention to all the things they do for the household, for the relationship, for the kids, right? We're all, we start to keep score, which unfortunately creates this wedge in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And that wedge grows over time. You don't even know you're on that path. And that's, that's the scary part. We don't even know we're on that path. And oftentimes, you know, high achieving women will say like, how did we get here? Why is my husband making these comments? I am more than willing to bend over backwards and do whatever it takes to go ahead and support him. You know, why is he supporting me? Mm -hmm. And it, right. There's so much frustration. There's so much um, resentment. One thing I remember too, is when I was stopping drinking for the first time, I went to my therapist. One of the reasons I stopped drinking and went to a therapist that specialized in anxiety and addiction was because my son was five and I was very confused about my marriage. I had a lot of resentment. I had a lot of hurt feelings. I had a lot of, and I was just like, I cannot figure this out when I'm drinking. Kind of like, I don't have a leg to stand on. We would get in fights and I wouldn't remember what they were about in the morning. Um, and my therapist said to me, cause I was like, he goes out with his friends. He doesn't invite me. I basically, yeah. he has all these hobbies. I do work, work really, really hard, had yeah. a very busy position and I do the kids. Like I don't yeah. ever get to do anything else. And he said, so therefore I have a party on the couch every night with my wine. And my yeah. therapist said to me, which was actually true, like, he probably feels rejected when you're drinking. You're very much in your own world. Alcohol is your constant companion. He probably gets the sense, which is very true, that you're not interested in him, which is like that constant cycle of hurt rejection. Like, oh, you made plans with your friend. You know, we had little kids, so we couldn't bring me out. And it is kind of a vicious cycle. And what Mike told me after we stopped drinking, I did a pod episode with him interviewing him is in the mornings, I felt very defensive. I didn't want to talk to him because I was hungover. I didn't want him. I didn't want to look at him or connect with him too closely because I didn't want him to see my bloodshot eyes. I was, you know, I was embarrassed and I didn't, you know, your husband's there. So we He'd be like, oh, couldn't wake you up on the couch last night. You know, I'm like, oh, dude, I don't want to talk about it. 
but yeah. he felt very rejected because it seemed like I didn't want to, I was like rushing out the door. I was always irritated and he didn't realize it was so much about my relationship with alcohol and how I was physically feeling. He thought it was him. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but I cannot believe how fast this year is flying by. We're all busy, but one of the most important things you can do to make sure you're on the right path is to carve out some time to celebrate your victories and to notice what you've wanted to change but haven't been able to yet. Whether you're navigating sobriety, setting boundaries, or striving to be the best version of yourself, therapy can be a game changer. Therapy is for anyone looking for growth and support. And if you're considering it, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's convenient, it's flexible, and it's entirely online. So take a moment for yourself and visit betterhelp.com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash someday. Okay, something I've opened up about a little bit, but honestly need to talk about more is how much PMS really affects me. It's definitely worsened over the last few years for me, and it can honestly take me down for a few days every month. That's why if you struggle with the same thing, I could not be more excited to tell you about today's sponsor, Jubilance, and they're offering my listeners $10 off with the promo code HAPPIEST. Jubilance is the leading evidence-based scientific approach to PMS relief. They're backed by scientific and clinical trials that are placebo-controlled and showed significant relief of PMS, anxiety, irritability, sadness, stress after just one month of daily jubilance. I feel all of that on such an intense level when I'm PMSing and their mission is to help menstruators live symptom-free because no one should have to suffer every month. Try jubilance for $10 off by visiting jubilance.com happiest or use the promo code happiest at checkout. That's J-U-B-I-L-A-N-C-E.com slash happiest for $10 off. It's good to go ahead and look at it overall. If I'm in, if I'm, you know, in couples therapy with my clients and I'm having my clients say, you know, how has your partner impacted you? There is so much shame wrapped around that already, already. And it's so important that I provide this safe environment for both parties to develop an understanding. That is one way we do definitely go into Let's go ahead and identify what your behaviors were. Let's go ahead and identify what certain patterns were. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and draw them out so that you are aware that hell yeah, you are empowered. You are empowered to go ahead and make these changes. You are a thousand percent empowered to make these changes. However, I'm not going to create this bashing scene where these are all the things you did. Yeah. Right. It, it, yeah. Nobody benefits from it. Nobody yeah. benefits from it. So collaborating those two. In, in my experiences, really, really help my clients not only maintain recovery, but also come together where they don't feel alone in it. Yes. Yeah. Right. That makes so much sense. And I have yes. to admit that I've never been to couples counseling. I've been to <laughs> therapy. Yeah. I've been married 20, 21 years now. And quitting drinking definitely helped my marriage. Like, oh, a thousand percent. It brought us so much closer. 
but we we have never been to marriage therapy. I think I'm terrified too. But I was also terrified to have him on the podcast and hear what he would say about our marriage when yes. I was just after. And he was much, much kinder than I thought he would be. I was I was honestly very scared to have the conversation. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, he's not he's not he got, I'm much harder on myself than yes. he a thousand percent. Um, yeah. So they're lonely. Yes. They, they're all these complicated dynamics of connection and resentment and bids. So me being a therapist, you know, what it, my primary, my primary job here is I'm listening. I'm, yeah. I'm constantly listening. You know, I'm helping people process through their pain. So when I get home, you bet I am done. I am done. All of my energy has been used with regards to being a therapist. The therapist has left the building, mm-hmm. you know, and one of the really big things Willie and I do and we we make sure to do is have stress reducing conversations. And when we're having them, I ha- it is very, very important that I am mindful of my eyes and where my eyes go and how quickly they are to rolling. I am very, very mindful of when like I'm, you know, how I'm breathing or like my reaction or my response, because there are times you're like, oh, okay, that's awesome. And he's like, I knew it. You didn't want to hear me. Why did you add? And like, oh shit, this is going to be another two hour. I just added two hours to the timer. Just now I have to apologize. But yeah, it's like having those stress reducing conversations are a thousand percent necessary Mm -hmm. with some limits. (laughs) So I love that you're diving. I mean, that sounds like a strategy or a tool to use. So if you are in a place where, yeah. how how would you recognize it? Just that you feel lonely or that there's tension in your marriage or how would that look or feel if you were in a tough spot? So there are a couple signs. Um, one of them is if you do get that feeling of, you know, being roommates. If either of your partner is saying things like, well, I'm not going to see you till Friday. So those are things. It's not, and don't get me wrong. It's not where it's like, oh shit, you're on the verge of divorce. Not at all. Don't get me wrong. It can, it can get there if left unattended. So you want to go ahead and pay attention to like, how are you feeling in the relationship? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes for us high achieving women, it's great. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. You know, I have all of these things to do. He's good as long as he just stays right there. Like, just stay there and look pretty. I'll get back to you when I'm done. Right? Like, and we're all guilty of it. So if we are doing that, if our husband's making comments, if you're keeping score on all of the things you're doing and all of the things he's not doing, mm-hmm. if when you guys get into arguments, you automatically go into bad memories. Let me give you an example. Well, of course he's going to say this. He always does this. He's never going to get it together. Once again, I'm going to be the one that carries the weight of the family and he's not going to get his shit together. Or I'm going to be the one that stands up. I'm going to be the one that reads that contract. He's not going to do it. He's never done it. The minute you go into that, those are bad memories. And the way our brain works, it attaches itself to negative memories like Velcro. It attaches itself to positive memories like Teflon. So those negative memories, they stay there. They're retained. The Mm -hmm. positive memories, not so much. And if these things are happening, 
it'll be very difficult for you to recall positive memories. You'll start going straight to the negative ones. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, people ask, you know, um, how did you guys meet? You'll find yourself commenting like, oh, you know what? He was late to our date. You know, we went here and the food wasn't so good. And, you know, I found it, you know, I found it difficult to ask questions, things like that. Yeah. One of the other predictors is, um, and Gottman, you know, you mentioned them earlier, the four horsemen. One of the other predictors of divorce, um, or maybe there's challenges in a relationship is in times of conflict. Is there a harsh startup? Is there criticism when you're having an argument? Are you criticizing each other? Are you criticizing him? Is he criticizing you? Is there contempt? Is one, one or both partners positioning themselves higher? I'm a better parent. You know what? The kids listen to me because you don't do this. Yeah. And the kids would listen to you, right? Contempt. That's when you're positioning yourself higher. So what you're essentially saying is you're the problem. You need to be fixed. I'm an angel. Maybe not an angel, but I'm good. Defensive. Yeah, I'm right. Which, by the way, for a lot of high achieving women who are problem solvers, yeah, there is some version of micromanagement, control, needing to be right. You know, yes, of that. course. I, I, listen, I, I've oh. been here myself, thousand percent. So you have that contempt, or you have what's called defensiveness. Mm. The only reason why I did this is because you wouldn't do this. If you would just do this, I wouldn't. I would. I'd be cool as a cucumber. That's defensive comments or stonewalling. Stonewalling is when one person checks out of a conflict, whether it be emotionally, physically, mentally, verbally. So those are the predictors. Those are the predictors. And I will tell you right now, the only thing that sets us apart from a divorced couple is a divorced couple has forgot the value of the marriage. Mm -hmm. And I want you guys to think about like, when's the last time you went out on a date with your husband? Right. When's the last time you had really good sex? When the last, when's the last time you guys flirted? When's the last time you guys had a really deep conversation? You were able to take it full circle. You know, those things that we avoid, that's part of forgetting the value of the marriage. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of couples will come into my office and I wish they would have come in six months earlier or a year earlier when they weren't necessarily at this state where one person has one foot in and one foot out. Yeah. You know, I wish they would have come in a little bit sooner, you know, when they started to see some of these areas. And like I said, it happens to all of us. Marriage, mm-hmm. marriage can be difficult, right? But yeah. with the right tools, we can, we can establish a strong, healthy relationship. Yeah. Just gotta learn skills. Yeah. One of the things that's been a constant joke in our marriage, my husband and I have all these inside jokes, which actually helps us very much. Yes. Like, yes. Movie quotes and inside jokes and all that stuff. But I like to go on trips just with him. Like we've always traveled together really, really well. And you know, it it seems like a lot of money because it is a lot of money to go on trips. But we've been, you know, went to Amsterdam and Greece and we went to Paris and Croatia when my son was two. Luckily, my mom could come. But every time, you know, he's like, oh, do we want to do it? I'm always like, no offense. More fun, more fun than therapy, cheaper than divorce. <laughs> you know, it is cheaper than divorce. I love true. it. Yes. And I'm always convinced our relationship is over on day two because we've run out of all the transactional stuff to talk about, like the kids and the schedule and the mothers and the work and whatever. 
And then there's like one day when I'm like, oh my God, we have nothing to talk about. Literally. And then on day three to day seven or day 10, I'm like, oh, this is why I love you. You know? Yes. Yes. Bingo. So when you guys don't have anything to talk about, that's when we initiate what's called love maps. And love maps are, you know, basically think about when you guys were dating. You guys were starting to create love maps. You know, what type of food do you like? Who's your best friend? What do you want to be when you grow up? Like all of those questions. We we're so curious when we were dating. Yeah. That curiosity kind of left the building once we started having kids, jobs, finances, a house, a dog, all of those things. Well, you and feel so, like you already know the answer, right? Well, and the, and the truth is you don't. You yeah. know, there's a couple questions that I've, you know, and, and I teach my clients this, but there's a couple questions that, you know, I, I don't even know the answer to. And, you know, one of them, Willie and I went on this hike. And one of the questions I had asked him is, what would you say is holding me back from being successful? Mm-hmm. And mind you, we were hiking and we were hiking on a cliff. And so I was like, he better answer this right. Otherwise, there was only one person that went on this hike and it was me. <laughs> I went on the hike solo. but. We were able to have these uncomfortable conversations and were my insecurities exposed? Hell to the yes. But we were able to have this conversation and I was able to receive his feedback and I was able to go out and hear him see or hear him say how he sees me, you know, and, you know, other things. What do I do in the bedroom that just drives you crazy? You know, and I'd like to say I totally know what they are, but the reality is when he answers that question, it's like, really that right there turns you on and he's like oh it drives me crazy and I'm like huh I thought this and he's like I mean that's good too but this right here and it's just I get to see like him light up and you know we're having this very uncomfortable conversation which is about like sex positions and all these other things right but it's it's providing me with this this deeper understanding of like who he is what his likes and interests are and I get to learn that about him. And, yeah. and we just practiced this. We, we actually just had this conversation um, on Monday. Um, we celebrated our 24th wedding anniversary. And Ooh, we were asking, like, thank you. Yeah, we, we asked each other that question. What turns you on in the bedroom? Or what things that I do drive you crazy? And, like, we were sitting in the restaurant asking those questions. The waiter came to you know, give us or pour us more of our, our drink. And they're just like, oh, immediately, you know, kind of retreated. But it was just like, we were so in the, we were so in the conversation. Yeah. No, that's good. Do you have like a list? I know I, so I'm going to link to, I highly recommend the Gottman book, Seven Of course. Absolutely. Um, But what about like, do you have any questions that you recommend that people ask if they're just getting started? Yes, absolutely. Um, there is a deck of cards that Gottman has and you guys oh. can get them online and they're free. Um, and I believe it's, let me try to find them now. Here it is. Um, card decks and it's Gottman's card decks. Download them for free. And there's so many questions on there. Um, and it just provides you with the opportunity again to really, really get to know your partner. Oh, that's good. I have to say one of the things that Mike and I started doing, I don't even remember when, he always likes to walk our yard at night. And um we have like an acre. It's really pretty. He's always looking at like what he wants to do next in the garden or whatever. 
but I started going with him on Friday nights, like after dinner, we go on a walk and we just like look at the yard and what we need to do and talk about our week and whatever. And it's dark. And so it feels like more intimate and, you know, you're not staring at each other over dinner. You're sort of looking around, but my daughter's gotten so used to it. She's like, Oh, are you and dad going to go on your walk now every Friday night? We're like, yeah, "Yeah, we're going to go. And then we come back in, but we feel like we've actually like, caught up on the week but also like dreaming about what we want to do for the house or what's you know bigger conversations when i was drinking i used alcohol to calm my mind to relieve anxiety and to sleep well at the end of a busy day I didn't know that alcohol actually spiked my stress hormone, increased anxiety, and as little as one glass of wine a night reduced my sleep quality by 24%. I was really excited to find Tanasi, a better way to find calm, rest, relief, and to reduce inflammation. Tanasi creates the highest quality, scientifically validated CBD and hemp extract products. Tanasi's formula includes a unique combination of CBD and CBDA in every dose, which is two times more effective than just CBD alone. So if you want to create a sense of calm, to calm your mind, to relax before bed for a great night of sleep, try Tanasi. Tanasi's being really generous with our listeners. You can go to Tanasi.com and use code HELLO to get 25% off at checkout right now. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with the promo code HELLO and get ready to sleep well. Exactly. The, the, one of the keys to really help your marriage thrive is obviously learning skills. Um, but the other one um, is, you know, investing six hours a week into your relationship, you know, and it's done by going on those walks. Having six the stress hours. Okay, I'm just adding on it's like six hours. Yes. Okay. So this is where you'll be crazy start shocked. With three, just <laughs> so this is where you'll be crazy shocked and you'll be like, Oh my God, I already have like four hours in. So, you know, you have the 20 minute, you know, every week stress reducing conversation, right? Another one, think about when you guys have sex. That's part of the six hours when you guys go on date nights. Also part of the six hours, you know, when you guys, um, what your tradition. So like for Willie and I, before we leave or when we get home, he and I share an intimate kiss, you mm-hmm. know, and maybe that's a minute, five minutes who it all depends on where the kids are at. Right. But th- that also is time invested in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So though that time accumulates really, really quickly, okay. really, really quickly. So yes. And those date nights, I mean, how long are you on a date? Sometimes they're two hours. Sometimes they're longer. Sometimes they're only one hour. But all of that time does add up. Okay. So tell me, you've mentioned a couple of times the stress reducing conversation, but I'm not sure I know what that is. Can you explain it? Of course. Um, another tool from Gottman. So stress reducing conversations, they're basically check-ins. Each partner is given 10 minutes to go out and talk about their day. And, you know, you have the person that's speaking, the speaker has 10 minutes, the listener 
The listener is there to go ahead and hear them. Here's the hard part of the listener's job. Maybe your partner is saying, hey, you know what? At work, you know, Jared once again got on me because I wasn't checking my emails. As a listener and as a wife, right away we want to go into, why aren't you checking your emails? You know, Jared has a point because when I ask you to check the emails that I send you, you never check them, right? And then now we're colluding with Jared and we form this coalition against our husband. That's not what we want to do. When our partner is sharing this, you know, his frustrations or whatever's going on, it's important to be on the team husband versus team Jared or whoever else. Yeah. And in that moment, it's important it's to take so their side or give them. Go. Bingo. The way you that like your best friend, right? If your best exactly this dick at work is getting on me about whatever, you yes. Well, I think the dick has a point. Like you would, never, <laughs> you know, it's Even like when you would totally her, think that, right? About her husband, you might be like, "Well, he's not that bad a guy," but you'd still be like, "Whoa, what a jerk!" Yeah, you know? screw his ass. Let's go toilet paper his car, or his house, or you know, whatever. Let's egg it, right? We would go. But I mean, like, allegedly, with your spouse, you're like, eh. <laughs> Yeah, with your spouse. So that right there is so important. And that right there is the key to a successful relationship. Being the best of friends, you know, but one of the primary reasons why we're unable to have those conversations is because of the amount of resentment that we carry. And that right there interrupts our ability to really be there as a friend. And usually what I see a lot of couples do is they'll position their partners as the enemy. Which is crazy, right? Because listen, you spend one, one person, this person, and and I say this as someone who, yes, have has done that. You know, I think in any yeah. relationship, you go through ups and downs, and some parts of life are much harder than yes. others. You know, yes, absolutely, absolutely. But we do, we, yeah, we do position our partner as an enemy, and it's unfair, you know. But especially because. They're the one person that can hurt us the most, you yes. know? So oftentimes we'll put our guards up because we haven't been taught how to go ahead and let down the guard, you know, and in some way, shape or form, we have been taught that that guard up provides us with a sense of control. And so mm-hmm. we'll mask or hide our emotions. So, you know, what's interesting. I mean, I think different periods and you know better than me, at least I'll just speak for myself, different yeah. periods of marriage with Mike were significantly harder than others. So when our kids were young, it's a major deal for your spouse to go fishing for 10 days. Like it is really difficult if you're working and you have to pick up a daycare and you've got a two-year-old and they're difficult or whatever it is. So when he would go away, when the kids were young, I would have a ton of resentment. Or if he was in a bad mood when he got back or a bad mood before he left, I was like, you're being a dick, a dick, and you're gone. Like you better... Like yeah. you better be in the best fucking mood I've ever seen when you get when back. you come back. Yeah, uh, you better you you better be willing to wash all the dishes, do yeah. all the goddamn laundry, and cook. For Which hours. is that like yeah. point that point scoring and all that stuff? Yes. And then at one point, I was really resentful. He was gone, blah blah blah, and I was like, I never do anything for myself. He's constantly leaving, yada yada. And one of my good friends said to me, she said. Is it that you don't want him to be happy or is it that you're not happy? And I was like, damn, I'm not happy. And so 
now that our kids are older, I mean, I did little things then. And with quitting drinking, I had to get way better at boundaries. I love the, um, the feedback that your friend gave you. I would take it one step even further. Mm-hmm. Is it those two or is it that you neglect to put yourself first? Mm-hmm. And one thing I've heard, and, and it's really important. One one thing I've said is, you know, it's not his fault. It's not the kid's fault that you neglect to put your priorities, your, yourself first. Are yeah. You, right. But we do yeah. do that. And we have 50,000 reasons why we don't. But we do do that, you know, oh, yeah. and because we do that, we get upset that our partner doesn't do the same thing we do. Yeah. No, that's entirely that was entirely it. And, you know, you have all these reasons like, yeah, I don't have babysitters or I can't yeah. or who does X. But um, when I started getting happier, I was like, all right, we're going to, you know, like, I am not the only person who can do all this. There are resources to be brought yeah. in, including the lovely girl up the hill who I've never asked if she wants to babysit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the stress reducing conversations, you've got your love maps, you've got, you know, figuring out various things about your partner and, and your, you know, what's going on with you. I've heard a ton about love language. Is that something that you look at as well or not really? Um, yes and no. Yes okay. and no. Um, what I really focus on is, especially with my couples, what is your partner's ultimate dream here? Like really mm-hmm. being able to identify what is your partner's ultimate dream? Um, I, matter of fact, before your podcast, I, um, had a woman that was on my podcast and I was supposed to record with her and she had just came back from an assessment and there was a lot of things going on. And I'm just kind of watching her and, or, you know, her and her husband are trying to like, you know, figure out like the microphone and all of the things. And so I'm watching them and, you know, I hadn't received her speaker sheet and I was like, you know, I, I can't introduce you without the speaker sheet. Right. And, you know, I ended up saying, okay, hold on, hold on. And her husband, you know, just kind of had just left the room. And I was like, listen, if you want, why don't we just have a conversation, see where this conversation goes. We'll record it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it's okay. Or we can always reschedule. Um, because I could see like there was a lot on her plate in that moment. Yeah. And I was like, and if your husband wants to join us in this conversation, he's more than welcome to. And she's like, really? And I was like, why not? And so she's, she then kind of like went and asked her husband and he was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And I ended up, you know, I ended up asking them some questions, asking him, you know, they work together. And it was like, my first question was, what are some issues that you guys come across working together? And then it was in that moment when they were both, you know, describing what some of the road bumps were for them that I realized what the, what their common issue is. And then, so I pay, I pay attention obviously to what they're saying, but I pay very, very close attention to what people are not saying. And so it was through that, that we were able to go out and take a deep dive into what is your ultimate goal here? Like, what is your ultimate dream here? And why is that dream so important to you? How has, you know, how has your past impacted this dream? How is your dream not met in the past, you know, as a child? And in addition to that, 
what do you need from your partner in this moment? What do you ultimately need? Mm-hmm. And for this, for this gentleman, his, his, um, if we go to love language, his love language was acts of service. Yeah. But if I stuck to like, okay, you know, so and so, if you just go ahead and provide him with, you know, do all of these tasks, he's going to love you more. That, that's a band aid. Instead, if I help her see why he does all of these things, why his love language is acts of service, and develop this deep understanding without personalizing it, then what she'll come out with is understanding what he fears the most. She'll end mm-hmm. up helping him protect that versus trying to go ahead and convince him to love her by doing everything she thinks he needs her to do. Instead, she'll have a deeper understanding. That right there, that is what builds connection. That is what builds yeah. this trusting environment. That's way more powerful than going out to dinner. <laughs> Bingo. Well, yeah. and, and a lot of a lot of people will say, well, all you got to do is schedule dinner. All you got to do is schedule sex. Well, what I would say to that is, yeah, those are all band-aids. Those are all band-aids. But let's go ahead and discuss why you're not going out to dinner. Let's go ahead and talk about why you're not making the relationship a priority. Let's start there. And the minute we start there, we start to see why these things aren't being done. And we can start yeah. working at it so that they will go out on dates. Yeah. I mean, that's super interesting. I can see why it's so valuable. Cause even when you ask the question of like, so you can realize w- or communicate about what he fears the most, I was like, fuck, I don't even yeah. know. Like, I mean, most people don't. And most, most people, people don't. don't navigate life know of being aware of that, right? They may not well, even who taught know us this. Yeah. Who taught us this? My parents didn't teach us this. You yeah. know, I shared with you, my dad, my dad, um, my dad was very much in, you know, his addiction. He was, you know, he was in his addiction with heroin, alcoholism, very, very prevalent. Like you, you could see it, you know, yeah. and watching my mom and dad in their dynamics of their relationship. For me growing up, it was like, well, I'm not going to be my mom. I'm going to be my dad. But my dad seems to have the upper hand and knows what he's doing. He gets a, he gets to leave whenever shit gets hard, you know, and I'm going to be that person. And I wasn't provided these skills. It wasn't until I became a therapist and I'm sitting across from a patient that I realized, oh shit, I need to be sitting right next to you because I'm doing the same damn thing, you know, or holy shit, we need to get help. And here I am wearing this hospital badge and I'm the help. You know, luckily I had my supervisor with me, but it was just like, I never knew these things because nobody had ever taught me. Yeah. So this is why I'm on these platforms, you know, um, serving the community because me and my husband, my husband and I, we were one month away from divorce. So you, you say that, do do you mind telling us what, what your marriage was like or why, why it got to that point? So Willie and I, I was nine, uh, um, 20 and he was 21 when we got married. We were young. Yeah. Um, we had Aaliyah three, close to four years after we got married. Um, and I had no clue that our marriage was at all in risk of, of divorce, like none. And so when my husband and I separated, it was like, what the, what are, what? Like what's going on? Um, it a thousand percent caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. A thousand percent caught me off guard. My husband was um, going, um, 
He was a drill instructor at the time and a drill instructor in the Marine Corps. And those are the ones with the Smokey the Bear hats yelling at recruits. I was told, I was warned um, after he graduated, they took all of us wives in a room, all of us wives um, of drill instructors. They took us in a room and they said, you know, look to your left, look to your right. 98% of you will not be here after the three-year term. And I remember looking at this, I don't know if he was a colonel or what he was. Stats. Yes. And I remember like when he said, look to your left, look to your right. I remember we're wearing our name tags and I'm like, hey, like looking at women waving, you know, we don't know what he's about to tell us. And so we're like, hi, hi, you know, and then we're looking at him and he's like, 98% of you will not be here at the end of your husband's term. And it was like, you're an asshole. Like you are an asshole. How dare you say that? Like, you don't know me. You don't know my marriage. And he was right. He was right. Only two couples survived that three-year term. Willie and I, as well as one other couple, um, Karen and, um, Gunny Branch. Well, he's not a gunny more. He retired a higher rank, but those were the two. It was us two. What was his purpose in saying that to you? Just to warn you, to get you to work on things, to. I think it, I don't think it was to get us to work on things because the military will tell you they did not, they did not, um, they did not assign you a wife or a, a family. Like they didn't, they didn't, they didn't give that to you. You did that. We assigned you a task or we assigned you a job. And that's as far as we go. Um, but yeah, I think it was more of like, be aware that this is not going to, that this is hard. Yeah. And I, I didn't know, I had no clue and yeah, we were, um, I want to say, gosh, I don't know how long, maybe, maybe half a year into it or a year into it. Cause I got pregnant. Um, some, yeah, about a year into it. Um, that's when my husband had filed for divorce and mm. Willie, like if all of my friends were here, they would all give you the same face. Willie filed for divorce. We were all in shock because we were all, we were all in shock. There's no way Willie would ever file for divorce. If anybody would file for divorce, it would be me. Mm-hmm. So I had no clue. I had no clue. None. And now looking back at where we were both at as a therapist, holy shit, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that going in. And again, how the hell would I have known? Nobody had ever taught me. Nobody had so ever taught me. So what did you guys do to repair? So um he ended up we we both received a notice from the court saying that our, you know, giving us the final court date in where our um divorce was going to be finalized, like legit final. Um so it was we were one month away from divorce. And he had come home and he had said, I want to work on this. By that time, I had already started to do my own personal work. And I didn't know if I wanted to be with him anymore. I for damn sure didn't want to be back in the rat race. I knew that. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, you have to work on yourself. Like at that point, we already had separate bank accounts. You know, I had a job. I was going back to school. Um, and so for me, it was like, holy shit. So we went to couples therapy and I'd love to tell you that couples therapy helped us, but we had a shitty therapist. She was so biased. And I mean, don't get me wrong. She was on my side. So why am I complaining? But we didn't, we didn't know. And a lot of people don't know that they have a shitty therapist or they have a shitty whatever, but like I, 
you know, she was totally on my side against him. She was pissed off at him because she was also my therapist when we were going through the divorce. Um, and so it was literally, you know, both of us working on ourselves, continuously working on ourselves. I was no longer trying to take him, take care of him and build him up. I was laser focused on what I wanted, what I wanted my life to look like what the insecurities were that I was bringing into the marriage. Like I was laser focused on that. And it's crazy because by being an exceptional version of myself, that exceptional version of myself was given to my husband. Not because it was for him, but I did it for me. And it was just the added bonus that he got to receive an exceptional version, not perfect version of myself. And that mm-hmm. took a long time to do. And this is why, like, I use these skills on my podcast. You know, I provide my clients with the type of therapy or the type of coaching I provide them because I don't want it to take 10 years for them to figure this shit out. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's interesting. I know when we first talked about this episode and what we wanted to cover, you said to me, you know, the topic is why high achieving women struggle to connect in their marriages. And of course, we've talked about lots of reasons. But then you said to me that it has to start with you recognizing yes. your patterns, the issues you're bringing into the relationship, and why we self sabotage. Can you tell me more about that? It starts with you. It a thousand percent starts with you. If you are in a bad place, guess what? When your husband gives you constructive feedback, when your husband makes certain comments, that shit is going to irritate you like no other. Why? An insecurity was just exposed. An insecurity Mm -hmm. that you've been trying to mask and avoid for a very long time. So you use that and you go to war with your husband. And so instead, identify what the hell insecurities you have. What are your goals? What are your dreams? What do you want to be when you grow up? Like really hone in. Are you happy? Are you really happy? Are you happy with where you're at right now? And a lot of women will say, of course I'm happy. Bullshit. You got the house, you got the dog, you got your husband, you got the kids. But who the hell are you outside of the roles you play? Who are you? Who are you outside of being a mom? Who are you outside of being a wife? Who the hell are you? Who the hell are you outside of being a friend? And a lot of women struggle to go ahead and answer that question because they don't know who they are. And why don't they know who they are? Because they've put their nose down and have gone to work and have believed the lies they tell themselves over and over and over again. Everything's fine. Everything's fine as long as I finish this. Everything will be fine as long as I check this box off. But the reality is you're not happy. You're not happy because you don't know who the hell you are. So find out what that happy looks like. So whatever insecurities are exposed when you're having a conversation with a friend, your partner, work on them, work on them. Those are key indicators right there that those are the issues that you're bringing into the relationship. Yeah. And if you can work on identifying what are these insecurities, you are on your way to becoming the best version, not perfect, but the best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to let anybody get in the way and that's why i call the podcast empowered and unapologetic because we are empowering ourselves to be that best version unapologetically i could give two shits what people think about me i own who the hell i am and it's very much perfect 
You know, what's interesting is when I stopped drinking and I had a coach and I started feeling so much better about myself and less defensive and less insecure and less feeling like I couldn't cope and I didn't have any willpower. Um, I remember, you know, just like unloading the dishwasher, doing something on a weekday. And my husband said something really nice and kind to me. And, you know, you're a really good mom and, you know, all this stuff. And I all of a sudden was like, is he being nicer to me or was he saying these things before and I dismissed them because I didn't truly believe it was true or he was being sarcastic or I felt guilty. I was like, yeah, uh you know, like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I was able to accept those, you know, kind words and love and affirmations because I felt deep down that they were true. Bingo. That right there is key. That right there is key to the work that you're doing. When Mm -hmm. we're not able to receive those compliments or when we brush them off or when we add more to our plate, that right there is a true indicator that you are in self-sabotage mode. You're a thousand Mm -hmm. percent in self-sabotage mode. And, you know, my question to you, you know, to your audience is why? Why are you not deserving of being intentional? Why are you not deserving of being able to like to experience the moment? Why are you constantly running away from the now? Why mm-hmm. are you constantly running away from the now instead of allowing yourself to participate in the now? One of my favorite questions for women I work with or anyone listening to this podcast, it's it's so interesting. The question is, what do you not have to think of when you drink? Yeah. And for some people, it's their job. For some, it's their fears. For some, it's their marriage. For some, it's the fact that they're not happy. You know, they're bored. They don't like whatever in their lives. They feel trapped. Mm -hmm. But that's the real issue. And it's hard, hard to get to those. Do you suggest that if something in what we're talking about is resonating with women, which I'm sure this is because I don't know any woman who doesn't struggle in some areas of her life. But do you suggest they do individual therapy, individual coaching, work through some stuff on their own or couples counseling? Like what, what's a good first step? So if you're in this struggle and you find that you can totally relate with all of these things. There's there's two options. One, definitely go and seek professional help. Seek professional help. A lot of people might, you know, shy away from therapy. You know, there are, you know, um, like I, I offer marriage therapy and I offer marriage coaching. There are differences, you know, but definitely go ahead and find a professional like myself or someone else that has a licensure to back them up that has years of experience and is trained, like literally certified in a certain, you know, um, theoretical modality. You can't play Russian roulette with your marriage. And I've seen a lot of people, you know, go to certain, um, certain professionals who do not have the experience or credentials to back them up. Right. So when it comes to marriage, hell yes. You are able to go ahead and do this work in a marriage 
you know, a, a couple's counseling or a couple's coaching setting, a thousand percent, as long as you have the right professional. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, homegirls passing band-aids like no tomorrow, and that's what we don't want. The second thing is, and I, I do have this for your audience, I do have a quiz. It's called Marriage Predictor. Um, you can go ahead and take the quiz and identify, holy shit, it's time for therapy or, you know, maybe I can do this, you know, in a workshop or a course. Um, but really honing in on what exactly is going on in my relationship and then making sure that you match what's going on in your relationship with a professional, the expert that's able to help you through this. Mm -hmm. Is your quiz on your website or do you want to send us the link? Yeah, I'll go ahead and send you the link. So the link is veronicasisneros.org forward slash quiz. All right. I will, I will include that in the show notes. I did want to ask because, because I don't know the answer. Tell me what the difference is between marriage therapy and marriage coaching. So a marriage therapist is able to go ahead and tackle, um, let's say a diagnosis, right? So if you're going, you're in couples work and one of you is struggling with depression, anxiety, the marriage therapist will be able to help you with that depression, anxiety. They will be able to help you with developing an understanding of how anxiety, how depression or how any other, you know, um, symptom is impacting the marriage, right? A marriage coach, that's where we're providing you with tools. We're providing you with skills. I, when I'm acting as a marriage coach, I cannot, even though I'm licensed, I cannot treat depression. I cannot treat the anxiety or any other, any other, um, mental illness or mental health diagnosis associated with that. It's very important that they're able to stay in their lane. Unfortunately, what we see oftentimes is a marriage coach will, you know, say that, oh yeah, I could totally treat anxiety. They are practicing out of their scope. They're practicing out of their scope, and that's where a lot of the danger lies. So that's just kind of quick, quick answer for you. No, that's that's very helpful. Um, tell us more about where people can find you, your podcast, all the good stuff. Of course. So my podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, anywhere you listen to your podcast. It's empowered and unapologetic. You can find me on all social media platforms. My tag name is Hey Veronica Cisneros. Um, my website is veronicacisneros.org. And if you're looking for therapy, it is outside the norm counseling.com. Awesome. That's great. Thank you so much for coming on. I, of course, I wanted to have this conversation the minute I met you. So I, <laughs> we did it. We did it. Okay. Awesome. Well, have a great day. You too. Bye. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. 
If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more.